Every journey has certain requirements like maps or passports. For your inward journey toward intimacy with God, one essential is His Word. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah explains why it's impossible to know the heart and mind of God without studying the Bible. To help you make Bible study a habit in the new year, here's David with the conclusion of his message, The Inward Journey. Well, it is true that we are on a path, a path inwardly toward our relationship with God. And uh, we need guides, you know, just like we get lost if we don't have a map or we don't follow GPS in the world in which we live here on this earth. If we try to go it on our own inwardly, we get lost as well. And the good news is God has given us all the information we need. Uh, he tells us in, in, in the New Testament, we have everything we need for, for godliness and righteousness. Everything we need, nothing left out. But we have to consult the source, and the source, of course, is the Word of God. We're trying to motivate you to not only be focused on what you're going to do outwardly in 2022, but what are you going to do inwardly? How are you going to let God guide you in your walk with Him? And we'll get to that in just a moment, but I'm bound to keep telling you about this until I can't tell you about it anymore. Uh, that gives me just today and two more days to remind you that the devotional guide for the new year, the beautiful devotional, the leather devotional, the 390-page devotional is yours for a gift of any size during the month of December. And we have been telling you how important it is for you to give during this month. This is one of two in-gathering months that we have during the year. In June and in December, we ask people to bring their gifts uh, to Turning Point to help us get ready for the new challenge. In June, we're ending the fiscal year, and then in January, we will begin a new year. So December is the end of the calendar year. We set apart those two months to really ask the people in our audience to help us. This is the end of December, but there's still time for you to help. Maybe the Lord's laid on your heart to do something special for Turning Point. What I'd like to tell you is this. Whatever you do, be sure and ask for your copy of the new devotional. It's our way of saying thank you for your investment in the ministry of Turning Point. Well, uh, we're ready for part two of the Inward Journey. Let's open our minds and our hearts. Let's see where God wants to take us inwardly in the new year. Do you know that it's hard to really know God in traffic? You need God in traffic but you may not know God in traffic. The way you know God is you have to carve out some space in your frenzy where it's just you and God. Psalm 46.10 in the Living Bible. Cease striving and know that I am God. Stand silent, know I am God. Here is the Amplified Bible. Let be and be still and know recognize and understand that I am God. And my favorite is the message. Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. Be still and know that I am God. Now, what's the problem with those verses for all of us? We're never still. We don't have any solitude in our lives. 
Solitude in itself is not what will help you out of your frenzy. But what happens when you are still before God, you listen for his inner voice in your heart. The next thing you know, you're talking to God and you're praying. Because when you're still before God, the discipline of solitude joins hands with the discipline of prayer. And Isaiah says that when we pray, God will keep us in perfect peace because our mind is stayed on him. When you get into fellowship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, something happens in your heart. If you rush into every day without any time whatsoever for God, God won't abandon you, but you will not be aware of his presence. And that's the problem. Oswald Chambers puts it in all perspective when he says, remember, no one ever has the time to pray. We have to take time from other things that are valuable in order to understand how necessary prayer is. The things that act like thorns and stings in our personal lives will go away instantly when we pray. We won't feel the smart anymore because now we will have God's viewpoint on life and God's viewpoint on people. Do you know something that I have discovered? And you probably have discovered it too. I would be disingenuous and certainly dishonest if I told you that every day of my whole life I have started with prayer because that isn't true. What I've noticed in starting a day with prayer and sometimes journaling and spending time with God is a lot of the things that are all collected in the back of your mind that you need to get done that day, you wonder how you're ever going to get done, all of a sudden things that you can't even explain happen that care for the cares of your day. God has a wonderful way when we put him first and take time for him and we're helping us get through the day. Sometimes, without our even knowing it, he reorganizes everything in our day. I didn't know how in the world I was ever going to talk to this person and I went to the gas station and they were pumping gas next to my car. Have you ever had that happen? Somebody said, oh, that's just a coincidence. You know what I've discovered? The more I pray, the more coincidence has happened to me. Amen. Amen? So be still and know that I am God. You've heard me quote him often because I greatly respect Mark Batterson. He's an incredible writer. And in one of his books, he was talking about the importance of solitude, and he cobbled together the solitude strategies of some very famous people. I thought I'd tell you some of these. In 1956, environmentalist Sigurd Olson built a small cabin on the banks of a lake in northern Minnesota. The naming of lake homes is customary in the land of 10,000 lakes. And most of the names are rather predictable, but Olson was a little more intentional. His objective in building the cabin, and he wasn't a Christian as far as I know, but his objective in building the cabin was to, quote, hear all that was worth listening for. So he called his cabin the listening point, And he would just go there and be quiet and listen. Susanna Wesley raised 17 children in a very small cabin, so solitude was hard to come by. Her whispering spot was a rocking chair in the middle of the room, and she would throw a blanket over herself it turned into her tent of meeting God. Perhaps that's what inspired her son John 
to kneel next to his bed and give his life to ministry and become the John Wesley about whom we have all read. Thomas Edison, he had a thinking chair. Alexander Graham Bell had a dreaming place overlooking the Grand River. Henry David Thoreau skipped stones on Walden Pond. Then there was Ludwig van Beethoven. He sat at his desk until early afternoon and then took a stroll to reinvigorate his mind. He carried a pencil and a few sheets of music paper in his pocket to record anything that might occur to him musically, and he would write it down. Now your whispering spot, your listening spot, will be as unique as you are. But you need to find a time and a place to escape the frenzy of the world so that you can be still and know who God is. Why do you think most people get up early to do this? It's the only time they have control over. And so they get up early when no one can mess with them and take time for the Lord. The discipline for frenzy is solitude and prayer. Now, the discipline for familiarity is Bible study. And I know you're going to say, well, Dr. Jeremiah, we expect you to say that. That's what we pay you to say. <laughs> Listen carefully. The journey inward is not possible without the Bible. The Bible itself is not the answer. It is our use of the Bible that makes the difference. We have to allow the Bible's truth to wash over our minds and thoughts and fill the emptiness in our hearts. Paul told the Romans that the only way they could recover from the pull of the world upon them was through the renewing of their mind. He said, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind so that you can determine what's right. What does it mean, the renewing of your mind? I liken it to a spiritual transfusion. You know, you don't get rid of worldly, negative, sinful thoughts by making up your mind to get rid of them. You get rid of them by replacing them. You force truth into your mind, and that forces all of the junk out. The renewing of your mind is to absorb your whole spirit with the Word of God so that the ugly, meaningful things go away. And there's a great statement about that in the Bible, and I want to finish my message with that in just a moment. We live in a world that is more and more negative where good information of any kind is becoming rare. I don't know how many stations you have in your television system. Many have 150. Some well over that. Cable systems, two, three, four hundred, and then the movie channels. You would think that on a given night you could find something somewhere that was worth watching. But there are many nights when you just want to sit down and relax and watch something wholesome. When you go through the whole channel thing and there's not one thing worth watching. Can I get a witness? Amen. So you've got to figure out something else. If you're going to get positive input, there's only one place I can promise you you can get it, and it's in the Word of God. And Paul said, you renew your mind, and you renew your mind by the Word of God. I gotta tell you something that I discovered that is really cool. There's a company, they develop little journal books, 
And this is built upon a passage in the Old Testament where it says the kings of Israel, in order to get ready for the kingdom, they had to write out the Old Testament law in their own hand. Did you know that? So they would write out, they had their own personal handwritten copy of the law, which would be basically the first books of the Bible. So this company came up with the idea that we should write our own copy of the Bible. And they have a book for every book in the Bible, and they have the verses and the chapters. And you take this book, and in one hand, you're reading the Scripture, and in the other hand, you're writing the Scripture in this book. And I have my own handwritten copy of the book of Romans. Now you say, why would you do that? Because when you write something, it has an impact on you that nothing else has. There's something about the end of your fingers and a pen that absorbs what you're writing right through your spirit and into your heart. I think we're at a point in time, men and women, where we're going to have to start coming up with some things like that to fill our minds and hearts with God's truth so we can overcome the ugliness of the world in which we find ourselves. Just think about that. Getting the word into your heart, renewing your mind. There's ways to do it. Listening to tapes, there's all kinds of ways. But if you want to overcome familiarity so that you get away from just the stuff everybody expects from you, you've got to come up with the new things that are in the Bible. The Bible says God's truth is new every morning, and I found that to be true. How many of you know that sometimes there's a little verse, and I don't mean this in any other way than it's just pregnant. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 is a pregnant verse. It's a verse just begging to be born in your life and in mine, and it's just chuck full. So I'm going to give you a little outline of 1 Thessalonians 2.13, and this is what the Bible says we should do with the Word of God. Let me read the verse. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth the Word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. Here's what we are challenged to do with the Bible according to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. We're to accept it. You received the word of God which you heard from us. We hear the word of God today through preaching and reading and watching and personal testimony, and we listen to it. But how many of you know the hearing of the word of God is becoming more and more rare even in many churches, the Word of God is given just a lick and a promise. It's incidentally involved in the service. But our church services ought to be all about the Word of God. Amos the prophet said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Amos said there's coming a day when there'll be a famine of the hearing of the words of the Lord. We have discovered that people want the word of God. We cannot give them something inferior that will ever satisfy them. Over the years that I've been doing this now for almost 50 years, I have been just doing the same thing. I've avoided all the cul-de-sacs, all the detours, all the let's try this, let's try that. No, There's only one thing you can do. The Word of God comes with a promise that it will never return unto God without accomplishing His purpose. We need to accept the Word of God. Here's the second thing. We need to anticipate the Word of God. 
he says, you welcomed the word of God. That has the idea of getting excited that it's going to happen. You didn't just listen to it. You were anxious to hear it. You wanted the word of God in your life. The two words used in this verse are quite different. The first one means to hear with your ears, but the second one means to hear with your heart. When you came to the word of God, you had an anticipation that God was going to say something to you from this book that was going to mean something to you in your life. Do you come to the scripture like that? Do you come to church like that? Do you pray as you come to church, Lord, help Pastor Jeremiah to say something today that will help me understand the situation I'm in. Direct me to a scripture that I, and you know, God does that. He does it in a way that's just amazing. I can preach on something that has nothing to do with what's going on in your life. But incidentally, I will say something, and God will use that to help you get through your situation. How do I know that? I read letters about that every single week. And I think to myself, when did I say that? (laughs) You accept the Word of God. You anticipate the Word of God. You appreciate the Word of God. Not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God. Paul was rejoicing that these Thessalonian believers, when they read the Word of God, They didn't read it like it was a book written by men. They read it as a book coming from God. This book is not human. This book is supernatural. This book is God's book. And when you read it, it's not going to have the same impact on you as if you're reading a novel. This book will come to you in a way that is just amazing. We should never approach the Bible as we approach other books that we read. The Bible is different in origin and in character and in content and in cost. The Bible is the Word of God. It is inspired by the Spirit of God. It was written by men who were controlled by the Spirit of God. People say, well, when the Bible is inspired, that just means the guys who wrote it had an inspiration. No. The word inspire means to breathe into. And 2 Peter 1.21 says it this way. Prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the Bible is a book that was written from God, but he wrote the book through the personalities of the writers so that while it was still the word of God, the personalities of the 40-some writers is clear in their writing. It's an amazing, incredible book. One of my great teachers in seminary was a guy named Charles Ryrie. I've told you about him and how intimidating he was. (laughs) If you went in his class, and you know, if you've been in any graduate schools or any upper level learning situations, there's always some people in the class who want to ask questions, not because they want the answer, but they want you to know how smart they are. So they'll ask these deep intellectual questions. I don't know how he knew, but Charles Ryrie could ferret those out. And if you ask a question like that, he would nail you to the wall. He was a brilliant man. He would embarrass you so much. I got to confess, I never asked one question in his class. (laughs) I knew better. He wrote some tremendous books along with his study Bible. Here's what he wrote about the Bible. This is instructive. He said, not many years ago, All you had to say to affirm your belief in the inspiration of the Bible was that you believe the Bible was the Word of God. That was it. But as people have sliced and diced and criticized and hacked the Bible to bits or tried to, it became necessary to add that you believe the Bible was inspired. 
It's the inspired word of God. Later, you had to include verbally inspired, which means every word is inspired. And then to mean the same thing, you had to say plenary. Plenarily inspired means that it's inspired from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Today, you have to say, I believe the Bible is plenarily verbally inspired, and it's the infallible word of God. That's what I believe. That's what we believe. But now you've got to do it because so many people have tried to undermine God's word that you have to be really clear about what you mean. I believe the Bible is the inspired, infallible, authoritative word of God. That's what we teach and preach. That's what we believe. So you accept the word of God. You anticipate it. You appreciate it. And then in the same verse, here's an incredible little phrase. You apply the word of God, most important of all, which also effectively works in you who believe. Do you see that in the text? He says you accept the word of God because it is working in you. It's energetically working in your life. Let me ask you this question. Is God's word energetically working in your life? Is it making a difference? When Paul says that God has an effective work in the hearts of those who believe, he is saying that when anyone, anytime, anywhere believes the message of the Bible, something will happen in his life. This is a dynamic book. Hebrews says the word of God is living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword. Theologian Robert Weber said, some time ago I was biking in Michigan, and I met another biker who, like myself, was a professor of theology. In the course of our conversation by the side of the road, he said something I will never forget. He said, Bob, all I really want in life is for the Word of God to take up residence inside of me and form me into Christ-likeness. Weber said, I think that statement hit me hard because my seminary training in the Bible was never that personal. We were always asking, what does it say? And seldom, if ever, made the step into a deep personal application. How can that truth take up residence in me? That's so critical, men and women. If we just have the Bible to read so that we're smarter, we know more, we can tell you all the stuff that's in the Bible, that doesn't help us. The Bible needs to be energetically working in us. That's what will make the changes in our life that we're seeking. That's what will make us different people. And I know that some of you say, well, Dr. Jeremiah, I've been reading the Bible all my life, and where's the change? J.C. Ryle said, do not think you're getting no good from the Bible merely because you do not see that good day by day. The greatest effects are by no means those which make the most noise, and are most easily observed. The greatest effect of the Bible is the often silent, quiet, and hard to detect at the time thing that is producing in your life. Think of the influence of the moon upon the earth and of the air upon the human lungs. Remember how silently the dew falls and how imperceptibly the grass grows. There may be far more going on in your life because you read the Bible than you are taking note of. Let me tell you something. You cannot read the Bible and study the Bible as we've described from 1 Thessalonians 2.13 and not have it change your life. Over a period of time, little by little, the renewing of your mind and the renewing of your heart. That's why I recommend it to you. And as we get ready for the beginning of a new year, never a better time than to make a new commitment. I'm not sure you should call it a New Year's resolution. Just 
a new commitment between you and the Lord that you're going to make the Bible a more prominent part of your inward walk in the new year. Tomorrow we're going to talk about writing your story. And uh, the Bible actually gives us two ways to do that. We'll tell you about them, and you'll have your choice. I hope you make the right choice, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. Hey, friends, um, if you haven't already done so, make sure you uh, get a copy of this year's devotional guide, Every Day with Jesus, by sending a year-end gift to Turning Point. Get it in the mail before the year ends. Ask for this devotional, and we'll send it to you. It will be our way of saying thank you for your year-end remembrance of Turning Point. You know, it, it is not embarrassing to me to tell you that we need your help. We can't do this by ourselves. It is your faithfulness in giving, especially in gathering times like this, that make it all work. And we thank you. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you right here tomorrow. Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. To let us know how God is using Turning Point to deepen your faith, write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's encouraging new 365-day devotional for 2022, Every Day with Jesus. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with helpful notes and articles from decades of study by Dr. Jeremiah. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue our special messages for the new year on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Introducing Dr. David Jeremiah's new 365-day devotional, Every Day with Jesus. Inside this beautiful leather-soft volume, you'll find 365 daily inspirational readings from Dr. David Jeremiah, paired with selected scripture to challenge and encourage you in your walk with God. Every Day with Jesus is yours this month in appreciation for your gift of any amount in support of this program. And when you give a generous year-end gift of $120 or more, Dr. David Jeremiah will thank you with four copies of Every Day with Jesus, one to keep and three to share with others. Let this daily devotional inspire you in the coming year to live every single day with Jesus, for Jesus, and like Jesus. Request yours at davidjeremiah.ca today. That's davidjeremiah.ca. And thanks to a generous giving challenge through the end of the month, all gifts to the ministry are effectively doubled up to $200,000. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. I read about a man who seemed to live a lucky life. Indeed, I am lucky, he said. The harder I work, the luckier I get. Along the same lines, the French ruler Napoleon Bonaparte is said to have scoffed at the idea of good or bad circumstances. Circumstances, Napoleon said, I make circumstances. 
I wouldn't agree with Napoleon's prideful perspective, but I understand what he meant. But I would agree with the connection between good fortune and hard work. The Bible uses this general principle, we reap what we sow. So instead of calling it luck, we're more biblical if we call good fortune God's blessing. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's blessings on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.